millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. I hope you're doing well. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's guest is Dr. Lulu LeVay. Uh, Lulu was an absolute delight to sit with and we chat about her career in music, uh, in journalism, in all manner of things and it's uh, it's a cracking chat. But before we get on with it, just quickly want to thank uh, Mr. 76 for producing this podcast. Uh, thank Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Also, if you enjoy this and you like hearing me chat to creative people about their journeys and and the music that soundtrack that then please have a look in the back catalogue because there's there's sort of 60 70 episodes there with with some incredible bands actors producers djs all just chatting with passion about the the songs that have been really important on their their journeys um if that's not enough i also have a patreon page uh, you can head over there and i put up a weekly show on there as well and yeah, and there's merchandise, there's all sorts of stuff. And the one-stop shop for all of that is www.offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. I'll get, well, I'll get going with it. I need to shut up now and, and, and introduce today's episode. It is Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Dr. Lulu LeVay. Enjoy. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. 
What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Perfect. Right, we're recording. Oh, we hello. Are, <laughs> we're at the WeWork <laughs> building in East London. And joining me today is Lulu Levay. Hello there. You all right? Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry I was late. That's all right. It's all right. <laughs> it's, it's a, it appears to be a tricky place to find because you're the third guest that's that's got lost trying to find where we're recording East London. And it's like, it must be something to do with a postcode. It's too trendy, isn't it? They that's just, it. The map just it. can't quite work it out. Exactly. Mind. You just need to follow the beards. If you follow the beards, it'll automatically exactly, get you yeah. here. So we've never met before. No, we haven't. But you contacted me last week and you asked me to come and give a lecture to your students. You, yes, indeed. And you very kindly said you'll do it. Yeah. That's great. So what have I let myself in for? I don't know. It'll be good. So I teach over at University of West London. Mm-hmm. So I run a module on freelance journalism and entrepreneurship. Sounds really fancy, doesn't it? Sounds great. So this is for third-year uni students. Um, I'm just trying to get them skilled up to leave uni and actually get a job rather than just dot about and watch TV all day and get stoned. So you're going to help me uh, help them. Wonderful. Well, Lily, before we do anything else, because we'll get on to everything else that you do aside from uh, from Teach as this podcast unfolds. Sure. But... We always start this podcast with track one, which is the song with the greatest ever intro. Yes. Can you remember what you put? I put um, Fashion, David Bowie. You did? Yeah. That's a, right, that's a great record. It's a really hard one, that, because there's so many songs with really amazing intros. I don't know if you found that. It's like when you're asked these kind of questions, it's quite difficult to think, well, which one am I going to choose? Mm. And I think the reason I picked that, because... The intro, if you don't know the song, you d- it's quite misleading. You don't really know what's going to happen. Mm. So, because I DJ as well, which we'll probably talk about um, later, it's uh, when I play that track, I don't mix it in to the ne- into the, the... I like to let the intro breathe because it's kind of like... It surprises you and it builds up and then suddenly, bam, in it goes. I, see, the thing is, as I'm thinking about it now, I'm thinking about the intro to fame, right. not fashion. Right. How does fashion start? I can't remember. Is it similar? Does it... I'm just thinking of fame, which just that like, quiet sort of hum that builds up to then that kind of funk. It's probably a stylistic thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Production, anyway, across the board. Yeah. But it's just, I'm not quite sure, it's just that kind of, that, I, I can't do an impression of it. <laughs> you know, I'm trying <laughs> to get you to do that, don't you? <laughs> I can't do it. It kind of like sounds like there's like a wasp stuck in a jam jar, or something like that. I don't know, and it can't get out. But it's like a buzz, but it's like a buzz, and then it like a warped, kind of fucked up, kind of like slightly psychedelic. Yeah. And then it almost like catches you off guard, and then 
just when it comes in, the, it's just epic. Yeah. It's huge, you know. Um, and it does surprise people if I play that and they don't know, cause, you know, unfortunately, when you DJ, you're not continually playing to people who are well-versed in music. Like, a lot of people don't know shit about music. Mm. So it's always good to have a, yeah. a bit of a surprise. Yeah. You know? So interesting as a DJ that you've chose a record that isn't necessarily, you know, maybe since... 87, 88, a lot of music that DJs played has been produced and put together with the DJ in mind, with intros and outros and edits and things like that, whereas you've just gone for a straight-up pop classic, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a bit sad if that's the case. Do you think, yeah, I hope DJs don't pick music because it's been edited to their taste or mm. make it easier to, for them to mix in because mm. that doesn't make you a very good DJ. Do you know what I'm saying, though? I do, yeah. Like, you know, just, just the way that, I guess, dance music, the, the way that pop music is crafted now in, in a time where music's so accessible uh, and saturated that, you know, I think a lot of songs now, pop songs, start with a chorus. Yeah. Before they've even got into it, just because they got hooked and because people aren't as invested. I guess in, that's the shift, isn't it? Them. It is. It is. And whether that's right or wrong, mm. not necessarily for, for me to say. And I'm always mindful that I don't want to sound like an old bastard. No, well, like, but I mean, things have changed. There's some really great pop songs, but I do love a good intro. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a DJ, I don't want to go off topic, but with the intro, especially when you're DJing, um, doesn't matter what genre it is. To be a good DJ, you have to really know the intros to know when yeah. to mix it in. Otherwise, you don't. You have to really know the tunes. Yeah. Like, really know them. And Absolutely. I actually go running to listen to the to the tunes properly. Yeah. That's how I get my head into it. So I know exactly what's happening in the intro just because I just go out. That's a perfect way to kind of listen to, to a bunch of music for the weekend for a DJ, mm. just to really understand it. I think... I, I, I can't listen to podcasts when I go running. And I try and run every morning, but I've tried running the podcast and I just can't do it. I can run to music like all day long, but the minute that there's no beat and it's just chat, and I only listen to 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 anything really when I run, purely to distract my mind from well, oh works, my god, well, is that pins and needles in my left arm? Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Perhaps I'll come back and talk about that again. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, music for for. Um, fitness is, is, is a whole nuanced Because that's something that you, that you work in as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So actually, kind of, there's loads of kind of research and science behind um, how music does impact on your your um, performance, athletic performance. So that's like this is stuff, stuff that I do separately. Yeah. Well, one of my many things that I do. Yeah. Um, well, can we touch on that quickly? Because sure. that's really interesting. I don't. Want to, okay, as long as it's not too boring for you. Talk about whatever you off want. Topic. Like no, not at all. So we have. I run an agency. It's quite a new agency called Taon, the Art of Noise, um, which I run with my colleague Aisha Nanor Martin, um, and we yeah we work um, doing music curation for the health and fitness market. So anything from music you hear when you go into the gym, or music in a spin class. Mm-hmm. Or music, we're work, currently working, can't tell you the name of it yet, but it's music for a new fitness app. So all the mixes that you hear, and it's anything from yoga to running to strength and conditioning. And this is all music um, curated from library music. Right. It's been quite an interesting experience and mixed by a producer. 
Um, so we do a range of stuff for health and fitness, but we're working with some really cool m- boutique brands. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a growing industry. If you're into music and fitness, then it's quite nuanced. So it's actually quite, there's not many people can do it really well. Yeah. I like to think we are doing it well, hopefully. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Did you ever hear the track by OCD Sound System? Called 45.3? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, that was for Nike running. It was, oh, it was for Nike? I didn't know that, that was... That was, was commissioned by Nike. Really? That's awesome. That, that It's an amazing piece of music, yeah. isn't it? Um, really clever, because that, that, if, if anyone listening hasn't heard it, you should listen to it. It's, it's, it's really cool. And the fact that it's been, it was commissioned by Nike for a 45.33 run. So the way it builds mm. is shaped. Yeah. And that was kind of quite experimental, I think, at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I knew that James Murphy was a runner. And, and yeah, and I just think you got a pretty cool sports brand collaborating with arguably one of the coolest men in music. And then you just get this kind of thing that soundtracks you run perfectly. There should be more stuff, more labels um, should be, in, and brands should be investing in this area, mm. I think, for sure. Because nothing worse than going to the gym and there's shit music, let's face it. <laughs> There's a reason I take my headphones to the gym. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really really shit music. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really strange, you know, like, because I, I I box every Thursday and the, I could curate the best playlist for that gym. But Why don't you? Then? I have because it's not my place to. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and, and I'm I'm probably not the only DJ that boxes in there. But I just think, oh God, come on! You could really just. Exactly. You, so you could is, fire people up with the right music. Exactly, right. which is why we do it because we're yeah. really passionate about it. Because we, we, both of us, Aisha and I, we're both into fitness. You know, we yeah. go all sorts: boxing, yoga, running, yeah. and actually immersing ourselves into the into. Like for instance, I did a, a, a all weekend. I've been working on running music for this app that we're working on, and I can literally just put myself. I actually did a, did a sample, and I went out for a run listening to it this morning. So did I really it take it seriously. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Worked as in what? Worked as in like carried the run for you or like just, you know. Yeah, just knowing because I know because there's going to be a voiceover added. So I know in the parts there's you have to walk walk for 30 seconds, then right, sprint okay. for 30, walk, you know, walk yeah. for another 45. So I know and it's, yeah, it does work. Good music does help. And some people don't like music when they're running yeah. as well. Right, so I'm, I'm there kind of understanding it a bit clearer. So if you're doing like intermittent, like, you know, sprint, jog, walk, so you'll curate the music to soundtrack that. Yeah. And like, oh, that's that's. It's quite hard, actually. My our poor producer. Yeah, I'm going to say, I was just trying to think, <laughs> that must be a nut every Shout 30 out seconds. Shout Marcus, poor bastard. <laughs> he hates me at the moment. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Lulu, track two. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Golden Brown, Strangers. Yeah. yeah. Why? It's a funny one. It's Again, there's so many to choose from. So what year did that... I must have been... I don't know. I reckon uh, that come out 80. It's the early 80s, wasn't it? Definitely 80 or 81, Maybe I reckon. 81, I think. So yeah. I think it grabbed my attention because... I thought of that one because it was, I loved, I really, it was the first track that really impacted on me, I mean, like definitely emotionally, because the use of, it was an unusual use of the harpsichord, mm. which I wasn't used to hearing when I was that age. It's a strange music. record. It is strange. Mm. Um, it's just something about it. It just kind of, I don't know, how do, how do you explain it? How do you explain why a certain piece of music makes you have an emotional connection? 
it's hypnotic and it's yeah. it's eerie. It is really eerie. Yeah. And I had no idea of the context of what he was singing about then. It's about heroin. Yeah. And, well, it's double meaning, I think. Oh, really? So, Golden Brown to do with Smack. Yeah. And also his lover. Oh, I didn't know that. had golden brown skin. Ah, right. Um, but, you know, as far as, I mean, it is dreamy. And I think you can, if you do understand the context of it, you can kind yeah. of get where the, the tune was going with it yeah. a bit. Um, but I think it's just the sort of the unusual use of the harpsichord and the synth together. And the the, the 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 key changes as well. Yeah. Um, and from what I remember or or understand, that song was made. They just thought it was going to just die death immediately. They had, you know, the band had no idea it was yeah. actually going to. I think they won an award for it, didn't they? I'm sure they must. Have, it must be their biggest That's hit. That's what it said on Wikipedia on the bus. <laughs> <and> on <here>. <laughs> 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 oh, it's good you've done some prep. That's just good. in case you thought I was just this mind of knowledge, I actually just quickly read up on it on the bus. <laughs> they must have won a, a barrage of awards for Golden yeah. Brown. It's, it's a, it's it's a, a monumental piece of and music. It's just it really unusual. is. And it's, I think that, you know, the, the, the actual singing quality is actually, the, it's actually quite a simple song. Mm. It's actually really simple. But it's the harpsichord, isn't it? It's, it's the harpsichord. It's, 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 it's something just, unusual. Yeah. And I think, I wish we had a bit more of that now yeah. in, our, in our pop music, if, if you like. So it's so formulaic now. People are kind of scared to kind of do something different. They're probably not, but maybe mainstream pop stars are, but there must be a million and one people making fascinating, interesting music. But it's the record companies that well, are too scared to do yeah, anything. True. Like They're the ones that won't invest true. in it or take a punt on it because I think, Probably historically, they bent people over for their pan notes for CDs and didn't see Napster come in and, and thought they'd outgrow that. And, and it hasn't, it's changed the, the whole way that people listen to music. And I think the kickback on that is that record comp no, no band that doesn't sell X amount of records is ever going to get a second album, they're going to be dropped. And it's that's tricky. when you're never going to get it's, it's yeah, awful, it just pushes down like talent, really. Completely. And then you have this tension, don't you, with the artist and the, the the commercial aspect, the label. So it's artists are creating music to suit a mass audience. Yeah. So all the kind of interesting music is kind of, well, if the, I mean the small, it is there as you say, but it's just not me. Obviously, it's not reaching mainstream ears. Yeah. And there's not many producers or musicians who will actually stick by their artistic guns, so to speak. I think most, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of them would, would compromise. If there's a pound note. If there's a, well, pound note, yeah. Yeah. Dangled in front of them. I think they would compromise. I think a few of the biggest producers in the world started off with the best of intentions, but yeah. unfortunately, there's a lot of money in that EDM. They're, oh, fucking <laughs> hell. EDM. But I know, but you know, you, you look at—it's it's certainly the last thing I'd ever put on on my stereo. But when you look, as you know, we're both DJs, and we both know what you know aspiring DJs earn. And then you start seeing what the likes of Calvin Harris know, and it's, Steve Oakey—it's—you just think, hang on a minute, that's what the Rolling Stones earn. Like, know, <laughs> how do you do that playing but other people's records? Also, that artistic compromise does affect DJs as well. Yeah. So I have to—I—I I don't know about you, but I have to go depending on where I'm playing. But some of the more risque tracks that I, I really love, I can't play. Yeah. Um, and that's suppose that's me compromising to a certain degree. Yeah. But, I, I, but sometimes I will. I did like on Saturday night. I decided, like, 
I was in the. I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to see what happens, and I kind of dug into my tunes and played yeah. some stuff that I wouldn't normally play, yeah. thinking I might clear the dance floor. Did you work? I didn't. It, no, I didn't. It didn't. Yeah. So I was quite surprised. I was like, okay, so maybe there are a bit more discerning ears in here than I than I presumed. Yeah. You know. Okay. So that emotion that you would have got from Golden Brown, what would that have been? I think it was, I think it's because that sort of pre-teenage time as well, so it must have been 11, mm. going on 12. It's kind of a bit angsty. Yeah. There's a bit of angst, it's quite, because it's quite sort of melancholy, a it's bit dark. dark. Yeah, yeah, it really And I is. think... What's it kind of? I think music, as I think all music lovers know this, that music quite often expresses feelings that you find it difficult to express. Yeah. So you connect with it, so it helps you express yeah. yourself. Absolutely. Um, and I think that was kind of at time where that kind of moody preteen, kind of confused, anxious, kind of like, um, yeah, that's how I, it made me feel. Yeah. Or it helped explain how I felt. Yeah. Anyway, if that makes sense. Where was you born? East Sussex. Okay. Country girl. So school was there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How was school? Shit, I hate school. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Why? Um, I just I never got on with it, really. Um, I was actually chucked out. I was banned from sixth form. That's impressive. Why? Just being naughty. Come on, you can't <laughs> say naughty. What was you doing? I don't know. Just bunking off. Caught smoke. My mum caught me smoking. Some. I don't know. I was just disruptive, loud, not turning up, you know, the usual shit. Yeah. And But the headmaster was actually one of my mum's friends, so it's pretty <laughs> Oh, humane. that's rubbish. My poor mother. Oh, dear. Was, you know. That's not all you want for one of your parents, mates. No, and then, um, so, yeah, so I ended up leaving home when I was 16, moved to Eastbourne, and just, yeah. So I didn't get any A-levels. I got four A-levels. I was pooling at school, pooling. But now I'm a doctor, so fuck you, everybody. <laughs> I should have actually um, yeah. Yeah, added that when I introduced you. I always say that to my students. I'm yeah. like, because so I'm like, because I, you know, I've got three degrees. I'm a doctor, and I've got, you know, blah blah blah. And I say to them, look, I tell them the story, like how shit at school, yeah. and I got kicked out and all this. But yeah. now look, see, you can, if I can do it, you can do it. So, what did you want to be when you was at school? Where did I want to be? Oh, what did you want to be? Oh, what? Um, I don't think I, I knew, really. I just love, I love music. I spent most of my time just listening to music. Quite artistic. I think I just followed where the musical road, really. Okay. Kind of, I don't know, I, when I, I ended up working in a record shop as soon as I could, like 18, 17, 18. Then I worked in record shops for a few years, clubbing. To music well, and clubbing, record shops. I did that for years until I was about well, twenty-three. I want to get on the record shops a little bit later, but let's, let's if if we keep it at school. Yeah. And I'll ask you what the song is that reminds you of your time at school. Is that was that on the list? It was. <laughs> I can't remember. Let's have a little look what you put. Sorry, I can't remember what I said. What did I say? Uh, Duran Duran. Oh, Duran Duran. Yeah. Reflex. Reflex. Yeah. God, yeah. I mean, that was slap bang in the. 80s mm. I used to love Duran and I remember I chose that one specifically because I remember having to save up um, hula hoop packets oh really to get that record on 7 inch flexi disc 7 inch flexi disc yeah. nice I, I that was the second record I ever bought was it reflex yeah and it, I didn't get a picture sleeve I've just got like the, the black sort of paper sleeve 
And, uh, and, and I don't know why, because I only would have gone to like Woolworths or something to have got it. But uh, I remember that. That record was, I reckon, possibly the first tune I heard that I just thought, I don't even know if it was just seeing the video, but there was something quite sexual about that song. And I don't know if it was... Oh, I didn't read it like that. What yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it was just like, it was the first record that maybe I just started to fancy a girl or something. Mm. I would have been very young. But I remember just thinking, wow, this is like... It's kind of a sexy song though, isn't it? It's so amazing, it's, yeah. yeah. It's like, you can't deny their abilities to make perfect pop music, Duran Duran. It's such a great... I mean, it was. It could have been between them, I mean, you know, Duran Duran and Wham, and even I was thinking Nick Kershaw as well. Yeah. All that, because I was thinking about Nick Kershaw just because he was my first, like, crush. Yeah. Crush. Did you have a snood? Did I? Yeah, I did have a snood, yeah. yeah. Kershaw loved a snood. And I was totally obsessed. I mean, I'm not talking about uh, Duran Duran anymore, but um, when I found out that Nick Kershaw was married, I cried in my room for hours. <laughs> Was this recently, yeah? Yeah, this was like <laughs> last week. <coughs> no, absolutely mortified. Yeah. I think mean, he was my, my first big crush. Yeah. But there's something more credible about Duran Duran. They were quite cool, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I actually met Simon Le Bon, like, years later. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, yeah, I worked on uh, for a while on the Joe Wiley TV show. Right. So I ended up meeting a lot of my sort of music heroes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's quite funny. He's very tall. Yeah, was he all right? Yeah, he seemed friendly enough. Yeah. Yeah. Simon the fucking Bon. Simon the Bon Bon, yeah. That's a proper pop star. Yeah. So, but, yeah, but the idea of this, sort of thinking about how marketing was kind of working with music back then, I think they should do it again. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's great. I love hula hoops anyway. So I think I had to eat about 10 packets, but that's fine. I remember, like, because I don't do, like, toys in cereal anymore either, do they? Because you'd always get, like, toys in your cereal boxes. Can you remember? I can't. Don't remember that. Yeah, you'd always yeah. like if you, you if you had I don't know whatever. Sort of, I think they stopped it because when it all went weird with like the amount of sugar in cereal oh, yeah, and like right. and encouraging kids to go and buy stuff Boring like bastards. that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and also like that was a time that reminds me of um, the smell sort of eighties and Duran Duran all those bands. It's the, the smell of perm lotion. It's really strong in my mind. Because I used to have my hair permed. My mother was a hairdresser then, so I could uh, that smell was in my kitchen all the time. So it's such an 80s smell. Yeah, really was. In fact, it reminds me more... If I sm if I'd smell it now, it reminds me more of David Bowie, actually. That's not a bad thing. Then Yeah, but it's the whole 80s. It's like perm lotion and yeah. big hair and big earrings and... Yeah. The end of the 80s, I just smell hair mousse. Mousse was where it all changed at the end of the 80s. What was your hair like in the 80s? Um, probably not too dissimilar from what it is now, to yeah, be honest. Take your cap off. Let me so, well, it's a bit bad at the moment, but it was just shaved yeah. up the sides and back. Short and back and sides, And yep. probably a bit more spiky on top. Yeah. Uh, I think I was, uh, late 80s was like the kind of, did I want to have a like spikier like Marty Pello? <laughs> I just said that. <laughs> but then quite quickly after that, I discovered Depeche Mode and I just thought, I just want to have hair like Dave Garn forever. And, uh, yeah, and I'm still trying to do that now. I grew it a little bit longer, about two years after when I went through my, my signature Morrissey years, where you want the Morrissey quiff. Right. And then sort of mid-90s, obviously it was grunge. Apparently I look like David Bowie. I don't know if you thought that. 
when he saw me. I've had someone come up, two, a couple of people talk, come up to me in the street and said I look a bit like, I look like David Bowie. The, the hair is definitely that kind of, probably the fashion era Bowie as well. Maybe maybe less dance era, kind of big blonde quiff. Yeah. Uh, ain't a bad look. Well, no, I don't mind. I'm kind of flattered, I suppose, sort of. But yeah, I mean, he was kind of androgynous, wasn't he? So Absolutely. I'll, I'll take that. It's David yeah. Bowie. Yeah, I've got different colour eyes. My eyes are uh, really? each one slightly different. Yeah, yeah. one's one's bluer than green. Oh. Not in a blatantly, obviously, no, uh, no, cool way like Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So, if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So, you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. <laughs> all right. Um... So let's talk about record shops then. So what was the first song that you remember buying from a record shop? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I remember this. This is an interesting one. Um, African Bambata and the Soul Sonic Force, Renegades of Funk. It sounds really trendy, doesn't it? Do you know what? You're the first person that's ever picked a cool one. I know. It's, it, was, I, it, it sounds like I made it up, like it's really pretentious. But it was a 12-inch did it have to, like, the cartoony sleeve? Had the cartoony sleeve. So cool. And I fucking lent that to somebody and never got it back. It's probably worth a fortune. So this, so, I must have been about, I don't know, 12 or something like that. Yeah. I went into the local, well, lo well, local where I lived was, like, an hour bus ride away, you know. Um, and the only reason I bought it, this 12-inch, because I like the artwork. Yeah. Because it's mental. It's amazing. It's amazing artwork. Yeah. And I didn't hit know what it sounded like. I had yeah. no idea. Oh, that was a treat when you got that and, and put it on. Yeah, I bought it and I had no idea what to expect. So that's also indicative of how important artwork is in communicating. It's like, you know, the meaning of the, it's packaging, isn't it? Yeah. It's really important. Had you ever heard anything like that before? No. But that sent me off on some mental electro, electro kind of thing after that. Yeah. Um, I just think I was just naturally inquisitive as a kid anyway. I wanted to l just listen to as much as possible. And it wasn't a case of, like, following trends or, you know. Mm. I definitely had my own mind when it came to music. Was you drawn to the kind of stranger stuff? Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? So, like, give me an example. Well, right? as much as I'd be listening to Madonna... I, had and did, I did have an app, sorry to interrupt you, but of sound effects, my arms being sawn off. Yeah. Things like... Uh, that's what slamming. I mean. Things that were, like, yeah. odd and slightly... Footsteps in the snow and creaking yeah. doors, yeah. Like, because, I, I, you know, and it was the same with films. It was always like, well, oh, that's, that's meant to be a bit strange. Let's give that a look. Do you know what I mean? I think it was always, like, a little bit more interesting than what was going on in the world of pop which I loved yeah, as well yeah uh, I mean I think I was definitely left of centre yeah pretty much um, I mean I, you know I liked I liked anything from like all the soul like soul bands like Luther Vandross and George Benson were huge mm. you know when I was in my a yeah. teenager but I also liked you know The Cure and all mm. the weirder stuff all the gothy stuff it's really weird because 
that that era of that sort of mid to late eighties soul kind of gets overlooked when people talk about music and mm. and and for the age that that we are that music that kind of people you forget just how big Luther Vandross was like that from never too much album probably through to give me the reason and they were huge weren't they like huge huge like and he sung with David Bowie of course young Americans, Americans. yeah and and yeah I just think like that that it doesn't get when when people talk I think the never too much album is a masterpiece I agree there's there's tracks on there like it's not home which I think are just some of the most beautiful records ever made. I think people think it's naff. And people think it's naff. It's not I naff. think the Give Me the Reason album doesn't hold up due to just the production mm. stated, just because mm. of the technology used on it. But I think Never Too Much is just a straight up live band, and it mm. sounds incredible. Mm. And it's not just a wedding record. It's not. I play that nearly every set. I'll play that. Yeah. At some point. Never Too Much. Yeah. It's amazing. It's such a tune. And yeah, that all that sort of that. I mean, I used to, when I was young and I lived out in, in the sticks and I couldn't go anywhere. I always wanted to go to the Southport Weekender. Yeah. Because that's the sort of thing that I wanted yeah. to go to and I never went. Yeah. It's a bit like having these, like, I also wanted to go to the Hacienda, but I, I couldn't, I didn't go. So these kind of ideas of places that I'd heard about, read about, I wanted to go. It's strange, isn't it? Because I was a little bit too young for that soul scene massively, like to be old enough to go clubbing. Mm. I, I lived like five minutes from. Canvey, which was where oh, the yeah. gold mine was, and that was, you know, the the epicenter of mm. that soul scene, and I, and I missed it, you know, and uh, but and it was like Chris Hill lived around the corner, and they, you know these were like the gods of that scene, mm-hmm. but for me, '89 felt perfect, mm. and so Hacienda was the one, mm-hmm. and it was like I just want to go there, Did and, you and go? I I didn't know, no, like. I would have been like 16, yeah. But it was like... I could have gone because I'm a little bit older than you. So I should have... It's just a long way. If you don't don't have any money, or no money in Manchester when you're 17 or something, it wasn't so easy, was it? But I said to... um, I had Graham Massey from 808 State on a couple of weeks ago. And I said to him, like, you know, the way that we perceive it, it was like pure euphoria. You know, the way that the press have, you know, looked back at the Hacienda. It was shit at the beginning. And like, it was, yeah. Um, But I said to him, like, how was it? And he was like, it, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, that, I guess that sweet spot when it did all align. Yeah. And, I think you we know. all had our places, didn't we? So yeah. Because I was down south. Like My place was the Zap Club every, you know, every Saturday night. I'd yeah. be there in Brighton. Yeah. Um, and we all, you know, we all had our little places, didn't we? Our yeah. little communities. And Absolutely. Hacienda had its own. We had ours. But it's also thinking about clubs like Paradise Garage for me. Um, you know, I again, obviously, I didn't go. It was an era before me, but that's the sort of place that um, that would be my spiritual home. I think. Yeah. If I could transport myself anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Next track. Which one's the next track? Oh, it's it's ironic that we're talking about clubbing because the next track. Oh, that's handy. Isn't is it? a song. <laughs> That nice, soundtrack nice your years. Can you see how this rolls? This podcast. Very good. I see. Uh, the song that soundtrack your years uh, in Clubland, Lulu. Bizarre Ink playing with knives. Oh, that's a good tune. Again, another. It's really tricky. They had a load of them to pick from. It's just like, well, I'll just pick that one out of many, many, many there could have been. If I put that on now, what would be your first memory? Um, 
being extremely high on ecstasy, dancing on a stage somewhere, probably. Yeah. <laughs> in No, probably in the Zap Club, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was quite a legendary club, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but, you know, that whole clubbing around that time, so when was that? Was that like 90... Oh, I reckon 91, yeah. It's all a blur, to be honest. Mm. I think I just spent three years in the Zap Club. Yeah. I didn't move. Playing with Knives is an amazing record. I heard some amazing... I mean, you know, I think... I felt really lucky to have been able to be that age, actually, at that time. Sort of from kind of late 80s to early 90s, that whole period. It's, you know, it's tracks, but it's sort of like when Scream of Delica came out and then stuff like Bizarre Inc. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. You know, it's just these crazy tunes. It's like, yeah, we need more stuff like that. And that is it. We are going a bit back to that, actually, now. There's been a bit of, sort of early 90s house renaissance Definitely, definitely. Which is really good for me because I've still got the records from the first time round. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I literally, I, I bought a keyboard last week that uh, they, they've literally just remade a very cheap and affordable 808. So I can sit there and literally just remake all my favourite records. Uh, and, and it's the minute Brilliant. you press them buttons, it just takes you back to They're quite 89. simplistic as well. But yeah. Just kind of what, like, yeah, that wild kind of wild but i think it's a lot of it it's nostalgia though as well isn't it massively massively how was you you mentioned scream of delica like was that a big album for you massive album yeah yeah and that's kind of back in when you'd listen to the whole you don't get that i mean i'm sure you've discussed this out of your eyeballs but um when people you listen to the whole album over and over again from beginning to end it was one of those yeah because it's the whole journey of it. it was you know it was a really important album when it came out. And it was, I was listening to, to Six Music yesterday because it was International Album Day, uh, whatever that means. Um, but I was driving and, and Six come on and I'm playing Stone Roses by Stone Roses, the album. And I listened to it and I hadn't listened to that as an album. I've played them singles mm. every week in clubs for nearly 30 years. But 
I just listened to it an album and I just thought, you know, that's a masterpiece and it works as a body of work. And as to Screamadelica. Uh, yeah. And I miss that. And I yeah, mm. I just really hope that in wherever music's going, at some point people will listen to an album as a piece of art. Because every time I speak to a musician on this podcast, I will always ask them is that such a is that a big consideration mm. when you're putting your track list together of your album that it should be heard in that and way? And what do they say normally? All of them, 110%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, but we live in a world where people will cherry pick on I iTunes know. and buy them. And, and that's yeah. just how things work. And But I do think you'd never want to listen to what's going on. Mm. You don't never want to listen to a couple of singles from what's going on. You want to listen to it as an album. It's a story, completely. It's a narrative from beginning to the end. Completely. And something you'll hear at the beginning of the album could be referenced later on. Yeah. And, you know, and this is nothing you don't get. Those little little interludes in between tracks on albums. Yeah. It's just like little little Bjork uses them. Yeah. Has used them all. This lovely little sort of 20 second kind of little. And it just adds to the whole piece, you know. Completely. De La Soul done it on Three Feet High and Rising. Exactly. Perfectly. And I remember, this is well nerdy, but I used to, well, definitely with Screamadelica, I had vinyl, cassette, and CD, and I didn't open them. Did you used to do that? Yeah. Yeah, always. You just, yeah, keep them packaged and yeah. not open them. I've still got... On all formats. It's well nerdy, but that's what we used to do. Unfortunately, I would open the vinyl, which I wish I didn't, and and I've still got lots of REM albums sealed in their cellophane CD covers. I was just thinking, why didn't I play the fucking CDs and just keep the vinyl sealed? Because yeah. that's the one that's going to be worth a fortune there. But, yeah. So, as a clubber dancing to Playing With Knives and, and all the other amazing electronic music that was coming out at that time, what did Lulu want from clubbing? What did I want from it? Hmm. That's just... I didn't have any... I didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest. I was just enjoying listening to all this amazing music. Um, in that beginning period of clubbing, as it were, so early 90s, and I was working in a record shop at the same time. What record shop were you working in? Um, Our Price in Brighton. Yeah. So loads of people used to work in record shops. Yeah. So I used to go out a lot. Every weekend I'd be out. And then I'd be like servicing, it sounds a bit dodgy, but servicing all the local DJs. Yeah. So um, they used to come in, I used to be into a singles buyer for the mm. shop. Oh, wow. So they would come, the DJs, so I used to get yeah. to know the guys like Damon, who now has run Skin. Yeah. I knew him back in, so all these guys used to come in and I used to point in the right direction for tunes. Yeah. Um, no, he, in fact, he worked in a record shop as well. Round, I think it was Rounder Records. But, yeah, so I was just totally immersed in music, completely. It was kind of my world. Yeah. And it was kind of, I think it served, uh, clubbing um, served a number of purposes. One, um, listening to amazing music whilst being really off your tits. Yeah. Which is a fucking brilliant combo, let's yeah. face it. I'm not going to be shy about it. Yeah. It was an amazing period, in, you know, making friends. I met loads of people. It was really sociable. Um, it's a really exciting time. It's like one of my favourite eras of my life so far, I think. Um, but I didn't really have a plan at that point. But eventually, I went to university. I got a place at uni a bit later, 23. And that's kind of when my life sort of shifted a little bit. 
Um, but I did end up, after graduating from uni, um, becoming a music journalist for 18 years. And I definitely think if I hadn't had that foundation as a clubber or being immersed in that scene, that wouldn't have given me the knowledge that I needed to be to write about dance music, which was, was my special specialty. Yeah. So where, I was an authority on it, basically. But where did that come from? Like the 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 the, the wanting to write. I think I think I I always liked writing. I think after I think my first degree actually just kind of showed me that I could write. What was she studying? I did art history. Right. But it's the first time I hadn't really written. Like I actually realised I could write, even though I knew I I liked writing, but I didn't know I had the talent for it. So that kind of like it just it, it switched something in me. So I was able to kind of use, it took me a while to work it out, but use my writing skills to then realise that I should go into journalism. But I didn't really start doing that properly till my mid-twenties, 26, yeah. 27. And then I just got really lucky with it. So I had a really good sort of journalist career. Who was you writing for? For The Face, ID, Jockey, Jockey Slart. Um, ended up all those kind of mags. Dazed, and then end up for like broadsheets, independent. Did a lot of the independent garden, a lot of music lifestyle. That was a golden time to be working in their magazines. I used to get yeah, loads of trips for the yeah. face. I used to get tons of trips to yeah. New York and well, even for Sleaze Nation actually, because I was deputy editor for Sleaze Nation when it um, back in the late nineties, and I used to get some really good press trips about them. Give me an example of one. Give me a good one. Missy Elliott, Puerto Rico. That'll do, won't it? It's pretty good. How was that? Uh, it's pretty wild. I was yeah. really unbelievably hungover, which wasn't a good move. Yeah. Um, I've been really lucky. I had, I had literally had a ball. I used to go to New York a lot. Um, I think the hardest trip I did was go to. Um, oh, it wasn't. It wasn't Chicago. Where was it? it? Wasn't Chicago? Ludicrous. I can't. Atlanta. Right. For one night to interview Ludicrous and come back. It was awful. I mean, it was too hard. Yeah. It sounds glamorous, but it was horrendous. Yeah. Um, but I used to, yeah, travel a lot. Barry White in San Diego. No way. That was pretty amazing. So I met loads of my heroes. Wow. Which is really exciting. Who's left on the bucket list? Um, oh, gosh. I don't know. I have to think about that. Okay. We can get back Not to sure. that. Not sure. Not sure. Okay. Track six. A favourite artist from your home county. Was that from the, well, from the UK, wasn't it? No, County. Oh, did I get it wrong then? You won't be the first. No. <laughs> Last week's done it as well. So I, I picked um, a guy called Gerald. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, where was he? He was from Manchester. Manchester, yeah. Yeah. Voodoo Ray. Yeah. Oh, it's... So not County. Can't, I misread it. I'm sorry. You meant, I thought you meant I think country. you're about the 10th to do it now. Oh, I well, should no really mind. highlight oh, look, that. It doesn't mean, it's, Yeah. Maybe I didn't have my glasses on at the time. Sorry about that. But I think that track... Is it the greatest dance record ever made? It's in my top five, but yeah. What's, that, what's in your top five? I think probably as as is my top five, all-time favourite song mm. in my top five, but probably at dance genre, it would be up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's neck and neck um, with Strings uh, of Life for me. Oh, uh, yeah. That would mm. be another one. Yeah. Mm. Which I also play... Oh. Nearly every set. Yeah, it's a really like the Danny Crivet remix. Yeah. That. yeah. Wonderful. So, but um, Voodoo Ray is an absolute blinder, but every time I play it, I clear the dance floor. It's really weird because it's. People don't know it, they don't, they don't get it. 
and it's a strange paced record. Mm. Like it, it's it's quite eerie, and for me, it's got that. It come out probably not in and around the same time as Fool's Gold come out. Mm. And Fool's Gold's got a really... It's got that beat, but it's a strange pace. It's a, a weird record to dance to. And if everything that's topping and tailing it is kind of faster, yeah. then records sound quite ploddy, but, oh, God. But sometimes it's always good to gauge the reaction, though, because you yeah. kind of know who the heads are in the crowd. Because yeah. you, you always hit, wait for that, like, the little whoops. Yeah. And they know, and it's really nice to hit, yeah. like... For instance, something like Blue Monday, for instance, and you have to gauge the crowd. Yeah. So I could sit, well, not on Saturday, I was just like, should I play it? And I was just looking at the crowd, age group, mostly blokes at this point, and I thought, well, you know, um, and they literally went fucking mental. But Voodoo Ray is, is more tricky. Yeah. But it's an amazing record. Yeah. And a really oh. funny video as well. What's the video? I think they're in the, sw- the sw- swimming pool. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen a video of Voodoo yeah. Ray. I'm gonna go there a little so. way. I think so. I think so, but it's a it's a classic. But he he found it. I think he found it difficult to, to um, repeat the success of that record. I because it kind of. I, hate, I mean, I'm not dissing him or anything, but I remember I because when I, I worked in artist management for mm. a long t- quite a long time, and I and I commissioned him to do a remix. Oh wow! And it was wasn't as good as I was hoping. I hate to say that. It's that being mean, because I yeah. think he's amazing. Thing is, if you've made Voodoo Ray, it's quite hard to come back from that, isn't you it? You can put your feet up. Yeah. You know, you've done it. <laughs> you know, there's not many dance producers are going to get anywhere near that record, and it and it's so symbolic of that time. It's like any film that is focused in and around, you know, dance music in that era, Hacienda, or whatever. That's the record, isn't it? It's like it's wonderful. Really captured the moment. Yeah. yeah, it's an amazing tune. I love it. Okay. Last track, Lulu. The song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Oh, yeah. So this is an interesting one. Um, again, I could have picked quite a few, but I picked the, an album, um, Gonzalez, Uber Ali's. Mm-hmm. Were you familiar with that? Do you know that album? I don't know that album, no. Right. So it's kind of like people know Gonzalez from his other stuff, especially mm-hmm. the pianos, solo mm-hmm. pia- all the piano stuff and more kind of hip-hop, electronic kind of vibes. But this was quite one of his... I think it... I'm not sure if it was his first album. Um, but it's sort of... I don't know. How do I describe it? It's quite eerie, electronica. And I think people don't know about this album, but they know about his later stuff. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, I remember when it, when it first came out, I was working in jockey slot and I used to make, make force everybody to listen to it at the yeah. office just over and over again. Cause it's just, yeah, it's quite it's filmic. Yeah. So is you at that point getting inundated with, with music? I got, I got sent so much stuff mm. I was, cause I was reviews editor for I don't know, it was only about six months or something. Yeah. But I literally had piles of records yeah. on my desk. So I used to flog a load. Yeah. I used to keep them, flog them. But it's, and you kind of get like used to it now, just looking back, you think, God, I was really lucky getting sent all that music. It is. It's, it's, it's really strange because I'm still on some mailing list, but it's just an MP3 now. And it's like the amount of rare promo stuff I got sent Back in the early nineties, I just think I've kept a lot of it, but at the time, as a you know, someone trying to make a few quid in bands and DJing, it was like, 
well, I don't know, I could probably get a few quid for that one-sided vinyl. You know, it's like, I could probably get 20 quid for that. And it was like, you would, you go down the record exchange and flog them all. And well, we were lucky. We had someone who used to come to the office and just take it off us. Oh, really? It was great, yeah. But I used to pay for holidays selling all those. Because you end up with loads of shit. Yeah. Know? And it's quite difficult, actually. Talking about, when we talked earlier, talking about how the importance of packaging mm. and artwork. Um, quite often, when I had to get through a load of stuff, I, obviously I would have made mistakes, but if I could tell something's going to be good or not by how it looked, that was such a big part of it. And I hate to say that I used to have a pile that's like the, the, sh no, the no pile, and I didn't even really have to listen to it. I spoke to uh, one of the editors of uh, the NME a few weeks ago, Greg, and uh, and I was saying, like when I used to send my demos into to the music press, you know, I would put like one tiny CD in the biggest cardboard box and, you know, just fill it with anything to Get try. And, and and I was like, mm. does that work? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it does. You've got to it, stand out. And it, you made an effort, right? Uh, 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 okay, so. Also, Gonzalez, I mean, have you listened to any of his. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Well, I actually, sorry to interrupt you. That's all right. But he was also, he was like, you know, I. One of my I, kind of my I, not idols, but I really and when I got to meet him, I interviewed him twice, I think, two How or was three that? times. Um, I mean, he's amazing. Um, he just, I don't know. I, I was hoping to like him more than I, I did. I didn't. I mean, I did like him, but the the, the 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 spiritual connection wasn't quite there. I don't think. Yeah. That I wanted, but I think he was stoned. <laughs> the first interview was sitting in a park up in King's Cross and he was smoking a spliff. He didn't share it with me. Really? I thought you mean bastard. Yeah, oh, I may no as well get high with you. Yeah, there's no spiritual connection there, is there? Not really. I mean, I interviewed, the best one was Horace Andy when I interviewed him. He came around my house. He would have had a spliff. And we both got really, really stoned. It's yeah. hilarious. And his PR from Virgin passed out on the sofa. <laughs> that's a good day in the office. <laughs> it's like, that's mental. That's a good day. Oh, brilliant. So how did you get into teaching sort of post-uni? Well, I mean, you, you, you're a doctor now and you've got three degrees. I mean, that's quite a that's quite a stint at uni, right? It's quite a stint, yeah. Um, bear in mind, I'm in my late 40s now. So yeah. So I got my... So I, I got into... St I started teaching probably in my mid-30s. I got a, like a just a, a basic qualification... And then I started doing a bit of lecturing, teaching, gradually building it, building it up because I just wanted to do, to do something yeah. to give back, you know. Because I, I didn't have good teach, I didn't have really good teachers when I was going had a yeah. shit time at school, as I said. So I wanted to do something better for younger people. Yeah. And it just kind of kept building up, building up. And then I didn't get my masters till I was forty, and then my PhD, which I just finished two years ago, that took four years. Um, yeah, I'm a massive nerd. What can I say? Oh, that's great. But teaching is kind of it's important. It's important. I think people remember the good lectures that they have, and you can really change people's lives as well. Completely. So just you know, it's not really. It's not, I don't do it for the money because the money's not very really good. But yeah. I do it because I want to kind of. Yeah. It's rewarding, you know. When I generally ask the question on here, like how was school, and I. And a lot of the time, people will say shit. Mm. But then a lot of the time, they will go, but there was this one teacher. Exactly. 
and this yeah. one teacher kind of got my creativity and and or it was like my music teacher or my media teacher yeah. or you know and and just someone that kind of invested a bit of time into so someone who gives a fuck about you yeah yeah completely Basically. i never had that school there was no. no teacher that i would look back on and think do you know what they you know they kind of got what i was about yeah and it's, it's a just, shame yeah and it's, it's it's strange because you know as as, as a father of two teenage girls i mm. I still see it now. It's like I can't really see that in investment. But that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, but you know that's why it's important for people when they can. Like I've asked you to come talk to my students. Yeah. So anyone like who's listening to this who feels they've got something to, that can give back, you should do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if it's a bit of your time, but yeah. it's worth it. You know. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. By and the way, really good. I think that should be quite. Uh, I'm quite not surreal. a soft touch either with the students. I'm quite, you know, sort of like. Um, Kind of tough love is my yeah. my way of teaching. Yeah, but okay. yeah. So what's coming up? Um, in what work wise? Or, yeah. Um, just extremely busy working on this music fitness app. It's ongoing, and then I'm going on a much needed holiday. I'm going to well work holiday. I'm going to LA. Nice. In a couple of weeks, so I do have some. I I had a little. T- DJ tour across the states uh, last summer, and I had a great time. I went to New York, Miami, Chicago, LA. Um, brilliant time, and I just love LA anyway. So I'm going. For, I'm. Yeah. Gonna, I've got a couple of gigs. Just hang out. I'm gonna do another book launch. My. I, I don't know if I mentioned I had a book out. No. Let's let's tell so me I about just, that. Well, it's it's an academic book, but that came out um, a couple of months ago. So I'm going to do another book launch for it out in LA, hopefully. Yeah. Um, just a number of, like about five people are going to read it, so it's fine. <laughs> Got to do something, try and get people to read it. That's uh, It's based on my PhD, so. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you ever so much for, oh, no, for coming for and doing me. this. I hope and, that was interesting uh, enough. It's fantastic. And then if it's right with you, I'll tag you in all the posts when this goes out. And, uh, and then people can... Uh, I've dish you about your selections or uh, I'll pat you on the back. Exactly. Marvellous. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks, Lulu. Well, there you have it. That was the wonderful Lulu LeVay. Uh, cracking chat. Gone really, really well. Um, Going to be doing some other bits and pieces, as we mentioned, um, with some of Lulu's students. And uh, we've chatted afterwards as well about some kind of concepts for some events and bits and pieces. So expect to see see more Lulu in the future. Um, have a lovely day. Thanks ever so much for listening. Um, if you do get an opportunity, please go over to iTunes and and give us a rating and uh, and and what's it? Comment some nice things. And yeah, and if you see us on the socials, we're on all the platforms, then just give us a like, love, retweet, share, anything like that. It all helps. It really does. Um, But thanks ever so much for your ongoing support on this podcast. It's much appreciated. I'll see you next week with another episode. See you later. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean in the first edition there's 
interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.